What's up, Bitcoiners? Ansel Inner here, back with another episode of Bitcoin and Markets. Today is another community chat episode. It's kind of like a community meetup, if you will. Uh, ha- happens on our Discord server, so if you guys want to link to that, check the show notes out. But we talk about all sorts of stuff. I mean, we're not experts. We're just regular Bitcoiners asking each other questions and, and hashing stuff out, talking about stuff. But today we talk about Coinbase a lot. <laughs> Are they evil? <laughs> Roll that into uh, JP Morgan Coin and other things. Um, Lightning Network, tons about Lightning Network. So uh, the Iranian situation with Lightning, the Lightning Torch, uh, Lightning Adoption, the future of Lightning Network, what does that look like? And we roll that into like hardware considerations. Um, Full nodes, Lightning nodes, two-factor authentication, um, that kind of thing. And then... Lastly, we talk in-depth about the Venezuela situation. So all sorts of good stuff in here. If you guys would like to support the community, support uh, the podcast, go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. Lots of different ways to do that. Thank you, everybody that does support the show. Also, don't forget to sign up for the free report every Friday, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash report. It's a market analysis with charts and commentary. All right, let's just jump into it, shall we? Okay. Um, so, do we want to get into the the Ripple Coinbase drama, or does anybody else have uh, any story they want to lead off with? Oh, let's do it. Okay, so the, the Ripple was added to Coinbase, and it turned out that it was against their listing standards that they have published. Because the founding team can't have a majority of the coins. When in Ripple, they have at least 60%, probably more like 75%. So uh, it broke their own standards. But uh, I was expecting it to pump a lot, and it didn't, it didn't even move. I think it went up 10% <laughs> one day, that first day. And um, it's kind of you know drifted down after that. And, and this is, it's kind of in an air of Coinbase delete coinbase boycott coinbase um now this this hacking team is you know was acquired by coinbase and uh, it just seems like there's something happening over there and are they flailing are they about to uh you know what what's about to happen with coinbase i guess with the ripple thing i'm thinking you know with this jp coin or whatever it's coinbase is kind of like facilitating a an off-ramp for a bunch of like ripple holders <laughs> it's that's the way i see it I, I i see it connected to this jp coin or whatever and like they're just trying to dump a bunch of like ripple on some new people or something and you know that's the way i see it but i mean that's just kind of my what's jp un- coin that JP Morgan coin or whatever. Oh, you know it's so obviously J like PM coin. I, mean, I can't mm-hmm. speak like with a lot of authority, but is it like Ripple's thing? Is it supposed to support like bank transfer, like infrastructure? If JP Morgan gets into the crypto game, then it totally kills Ripple's use case, and so. Like I said, it's kind of my perspective, but it's just a way for people to dump Ripple because JP Morgan is threatening their use case. 
I mean, I don't know. That could be like a uninformed, naive perspective on it, but it just it seems to correlate with the J.P. Morgan coin or whatever. It's with it happened within like a week or two of J.P. Morgan like announcing their own crypto or something. So yeah, I, mean, I don't know. On the surface, it definitely makes sense. They that because they they sound similar. They're both sort of corporate centralized coins. Um, the JP Morgan coin is at least for right now is not being used outside of JP Morgan. It's actually just being used um, to transfer assets between JP Morgan customers. So it's sort of like this walled garden AOL sort of um, uh, situation right now. Um, it's it's a fork of Ethereum. They based they built um, their own vert. They forked Ethereum. They built something called Quorum, which is just a private JP Morgan's proprietary private version of Ethereum. And they built, they put J, built JPN coin on top of this quorum uh, Ethereum clone. And uh, they're just, they're basically, it's a completely centralized blockchain. Um, I don't I, as far as I can tell, there's no like even federation of block validators. Um, so it's not even like, it's, it's not like liquid or it's not like EOS even. Uh, EOS, I think, is down to two block validators right now. Um, but I think there's just one, and it's, just, it's JP Morgan, and you can use it to like buy and sell assets that JP Morgan offers um, to other JP Morgan customers. That's all it is right now. It's total piece of crap. That sounds boring. Yeah. <laughs> that totally sounds boring. It's terrible. <laughs> it's nothing. Yeah, it's, it's really in no way crypto news. It has yeah. nothing to do with crypto at all. It uses cryptography. But it, yeah. Other, yeah. Than, other than that. So does email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe it's their version of the like the Nigerian email scam, but geared towards you know old pe- you know old rich people. Yeah, not everybody sound- that's got money is intelligent. Yeah, and make it sound like JP Morgan is like on the cutting edge, you know. Um I'm sure yeah, they got well, a few suckers they can show that to. Well, it's all about the the marginal person, right? So um, even JP Morgan has marginal customers that are only investing five, ten thousand, right, or something. Maybe a little, maybe even the marginal person for them is a little bit higher, fifty thousand. But those people might slowly peel off into Bitcoin or into some of these hedge funds that are investing in crypto stuff. So. Um, I bet they they felt the pressure because all you need is like 1% of those marginal people to go, then 5%, and then before you know it, you know, they they have a big problem on their hands. What if you if you think about it, it gives the illusion um of of risk. You know, they're they're kind of able to sell that illusion that hey, you know, the customers getting into crypto and they get that risk exposure, but Really, ah, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's just totally backed by them and boring. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Illusion of risk because everyone's searching for yield and risk equals yield, right? So exactly. What, I mean, uh, okay, here, think about it this way on a from a different angle. Maybe they're just trying to build their own private infrastructure to 
transfer value within their own company to, you know, international branches. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to like think of it in pra- a practical sense from their perspective. They, maybe they see the need for a private infrastructure to transfer value within their own company. And, you know, like we out outside of like Bitcoin and this type of stuff from a private infrastructure perspective, maybe it would be useful, you know, an international customer that travels from one country to another. I'm trying to think of like their real practical uses for whatever maybe they're they see that some kind of need and they're trying to meet it but you know obviously we know that a customer would be better off just holding bitcoin with the banks and stuff you know how they they loan money and stuff and you know overnight loaning i forget all the terminology but i could see within their own company you know, trying to transfer value to different branches globally. I don't know. I'm just trying to see what they're thinking. Well, yeah, exactly. It's it's an internal accounting database. Whoop, they're whoopee. trying to um, they're trying to create efficiencies with their settlements and clearing, but it's just a just a centralized database. They're going to deprecate it and go to Bitcoin in five years. <laughs> right. Oh, but they, they don't have any actual incentive to improve that that technology. They they make plenty of money right now the way that it is. So I mean I it, again I you know the, the crypto that they've quote unquote created, it's it's just smoke and mirrors. It's just an illusion to investors to appease people, to make them think that they're getting into the market and you know, in the end, yes. they're, they're not actually innovating. If if they want to be innovating, then they need to innovate. You know, so. Right. Jamie Dimon said it himself. He said that the Bitcoiners are trying to eat his lunch, eat all the bankers' lunch. And he's absolutely right. They're trying to get out in front of it. But this is a pretty weak effort to do so. Actually, uh, somebody brought that torch thing up you know just to like you know i installed the lightning stuff and i mean it rocks you know what i'm saying it's i there's definitely some more work to be done but that zap wallet is useful the chrome thing is useful so i'm i'm i haven't bought the uh casa node yet but that's like gonna that's like one of the next things on my list i just want to kind of I wanted to get comfortable with some of this other stuff, but, you know, that was my little experience with uh, the Zap wallet. I kind of, I made a small, like, commit to the repository. I've been kind of getting my cool development environment to, because I'm, I'm, I like that Zap wallet, you know, I see a lot of potential there as far as just, you know, ease of entry for people and stuff. So, but um, what was that thing about the torch getting sent to somebody or somebody brought it oh, up the, before the, we started the, recording? Yeah, we were talking about um, there's a, a, 
um, an Iranian Bitcoiner. Um, I think his name is Zaya or Zia, Z-I-Y-A. Zida. Right? Zida. Um, anyway, yeah, so people have been trying to, yeah, Zia Sadr, Zia, Z-I-Y-A underscore S-A-D-R on Twitter. Um, his pin tweet is a picture of his full node location in the middle of Iran, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, people have been trying to like kind of advocating for him to get the, the lightning torch, uh, just, you know, to kind of make a statement about Bitcoin's permissionlessness and borderlessness and all that. Um, and Dan Held had the torch and people were asking him to send it to Iran. Uh, but Dan said that he really, really wanted to, but that it's probably very illegal. And then like linked to some US law about like sanctions on basically sending money to Iran or some way or another. Um, and uh, so he decided not to. And I, I think it it will eventually get to him. Um, so, but that's, yeah, that's the, that was the, what we were talking about. Well, it sounds like a valid argument, especially once it leaves Iran. So you see, it one thing it, it to send it, but mm-hmm. then once the torch leaves, it could be like tainted, and people could get into trouble just being associated with it. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really up on all the like laws about that, but it's it seems like a valid concern. Yeah. Yeah, so I would like to sign yet, or is this still? Um, they're still trying to get it there. I don't think he has it yet. I'm I'm going through the uh, the LN trust chain right now. Gotcha. Well, somebody, I, I think it would be pretty good PR if and when it does get to him. Agreed. Somebody did a paynim. Have you guys heard of the paynims that uh, Samurai has done? The tiny torch. Yes, I've heard of them. I've never used it. I did see Shinobi tweeting about it today, though. Yeah, so payment is paynims are like state channels, I guess, or you know, uh, payment channels just between two people. And um, I think it's I'll put a link to it in the in the chat, but it's uh, paynim.is, and you can sign up there with your Samurai wallet. You can um, it's like stealth addresses basically on Bitcoin, and mm-hmm. so. Uh, Somebody sent a, I don't know if it's a pain, pain him torch or what, but someone sent that to the guy over there in Iran. So uh, I think Bitcoin did meet the demand, just not lightning quite yet because of the identity attached to your Twitter profiles and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I do think it's very, very interesting, though, how that happened. I was kind of watching that real time. And uh, I was wondering, I was wondering if someone was going to do it. Well, how how come they didn't? Because I heard Shinobi talking about that too, and I, I share the same sentiment that we some somebody should have passed the torch. And it's easy for me to say because I I didn't have it. But um, why couldn't they, whoever had it, organize it? All they need is one hop in a DM. You know, uh, send the invoice. Um, maybe not through a Twitter DM, try to get through like a more secure channel and then send it to the guy in Iran 
and then he can just announce that he received it. Like, what evidence would they have had on Lightning if that were, if if it would have took place that way? No, that's how I, they did it with the pain him. Yeah, actually, that'd be kind of cool. Like, uh, play action in football where you you know pretend to hand it off, but you actually <laughs> pass it. So you do like play action on on the lightning network and you kind of obfuscate a few little hops and get it to the guy in Iran. That'd be pretty cool too. Um, I don't know. Well, I thought that's the whole point is they're like, uh, it does, it only keeps like a current state, right? So it doesn't have previous hops. But you're absolutely wrong right. No, pick your yeah, right. Plus there everything would be red. plausible yeah. deniability, right? Yeah. yeah. And I don't even think that they're, I don't think they would even do anything. I think that would also, if the state took action on that, I think it would just do, you know, be like the Streisand effect again. Mm -hmm. True. I'll keep but in you mind. Wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be that person though. Yeah. It'd suck to have the FBI coming after you or some bullshit for, for 90 bucks or whatever it is. Okay. So let me throw this at you. You know, think about it this way. Say, a computer has some kind of a virus or whatever and the it's it could okay so people are like posting like public lightning invoice addresses this kind of thing it's possible that you could have some kind of virus that swaps the lightning address in a person's browser it sees like the twitter address or whatever and so one thing that i was thinking about is and actually i kind of did it is i was thinking with Keybase and their like public file system, you could post invoices in the public folder, and that's completely verified. Because with the Keybase stuff, the uh, file system is secure, all that stuff. And so, I don't know, I was just kind of like trying to think of a way to actually post a public address but actually still have it you know secured but verified so i don't know like what are your what are your thoughts on that is you, you see how there can be a problem with these lightning addresses being swapped out i don't know maybe i'm reaching but so the anyway the thought was is post some kind of invoice address with a keybase account in your public folder or private and that would be a way to share invoices in a quasi-public... I think it would be more of an issue if... Because um, like, the invoices are like generated uniquely uh, upon request. And so I guess you could... Yeah, I see what you're saying. You could like replace... Uh, like, if I put, like if I tweeted out an invoice request um exactly you could, yeah you could have some sort of malware that like replaces that and so when you go to copy and paste it and send the money then it's going well, they, to they've else. had those with with coin uh with on-chain transactions right where somebody messed with the the clipboard mm -hmm. and so every time you copied it would and you pasted it would be replaced with a different address and you would have to sit there and check yep. uh, so yeah that's uh that's a concern for sure. Right now, it's not so much a concern because amounts are still small, but I'm sure they're, they'll come up with uh, something. But yeah, I, I, I think it's valid. 
Yeah, yeah, I think hey, I'm going to try to take Tim off here. Cool. I found it interesting because I just kind of upgraded my Keybase stuff, and they're now they have like a uh what is it stellar lumens wallet and stuff it's so i they didn't integrate bitcoin but they're kind of like integrating some crypto into their stuff so i i thought it was a positive kind of like thing that they're you know supporting you know crypto transactions so i i think that there's uh, some interesting developments there so so what do you guys think about this, uh, the hacking team and the whatever, Neutrino, the acquisition of Coinbase? Disgusting. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm just glad uh, it's, it, it should be obvious to people, right? At least we know what's going on, or at least that this, or that it is going on, right? Yeah. It's done, isn't it? The acquisition yeah. is done. Yeah. yeah. And they, I, I think that it's, I think it's awesome because I've been uh, anti Coinbase for a while. And uh, so this is like bringing everything to a head. Uh, and I think it's really great. So, yeah, I mean, maybe for listeners, like what, what makes hacking teams so controversial? I, I know that they're like a, I mean, vaguely know that they're, um, they sell surveillance software to governments or something like spyware and stuff. Yeah. So they're neutrino. Well, hacking team turned into neutrino. They have like, I think three or four of them, the founders in common. This is not to be confused with the neutrino, uh, kind of light, uh, wallet that's being developed for lightning network. Right. The the light node. Sorry. That's a little confusing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so then there, there's some Italian software company that was selling spyware, and they had multiple uh, governments mad at them, but they were at the same time selling product to other governments. And it just happened to be like some pretty shady governments like Bahrain and Saudi, um, and was it Egypt, I think, was another one. So they, they were put on a kind of a public list that lists out uh, enemies of the internet and Janine from block digest, which, I mean, this is just another feather in her cap of how good of investigative journalism she's doing or reporting. I don't know if she would even call it journalism, but um, yeah. And we, we would never have known if she didn't uh, put it out there. So uh, this is, pretty awesome and i hope coinbase goes down or a few pegs at least so what did they they acquire them exactly for the rumor is that there's this new bill in congress here in the u.s that is going to require people to or require these companies to hold customer information for five years and so it just happened to be like a couple days after that was introduced then Coinbase acquired this Neutrino company. Um, I don't know if there's any link there. Nobody really knows. I, I think Coinbase is just kind of has some ethical problems right now, and they they might not even have known, to be honest with you. But who knows? Tom, so yeah. let me ask you this: Was this uh, hacking team these guys not on the U.S. radar, or they're friendly with the U.S. if Coinbase got them? 
Oh, I'm sure they're friendly with the U.S. Sure, they're good buddies. Yeah. Well, you said that they had, you know, that they had dealt with some quote-unquote undesirable nation-states, and I didn't know if um, one of those was the U.S. or not. Um, I don't think that they have evidence that the United States was a client. Don't they specialize in, like, tracking Bitcoin transactions? Like, tracing them? Like, I believe yes. that's They're a chain analysis company. Right. Yeah, so, um, let me ask this then. Uh, the U.S. hasn't come out and, and, and said that they're upset at, or they haven't denounced these people. No. no. Uh, here's a, here's the uh, Coinbase spokesperson statement. They said that the company does not condone, nor will it defend, the actions of Hacking Team. We are aware that Neutrino's co-founders previously worked at Hacking Team, which re we reviewed as part of our security, technical, and hiring diligence. So apparently they did know. Also specialized in hacking iOS and Android. I'm just looking through some of the WikiLeaks emails uh, from... Uh, the uh, the former uh, ah. yeah, Giancarlo, and um, yeah, it, it mentions over here the different types of exploits that uh, that they do for uh, iOS and Android. I'll post a link. Awesome. I um, this is the last straw for me though. I sad to say I had still been using Coinbase. Um, you know, I, I pretty much living on Bitcoin these days. And Coinbase is the only U.S. exchange that offers ACH withdrawals, which hits your bank account in two days or something like that. So I was still using them a little bit, but this is pretty much it. I just uh, got verified at Kraken now, so I'd be interested in Coinbase. I'd be inter interested to hear what you had to say about Kraken in a little while because... Um, they they're looking better and better and better all the yeah. time. Jesse just, Powell's a class act for sure. Yeah, I just switched to them too, and uh, my withdrawal showed up in two days. Oh, nice! Really, it's a wire, right? Um, well, I'm in Canada, so it might be a little bit different. It's what they called a um, an EFT, electronic funds transfer, whatever that means. Some sort of wire, but yeah, it was two days. I did a couple, and they they all were two days exactly. Sorry, who was that with? Kraken. Oh, cool. Are their fees similar to Coinbase's? Um, the fee was I'd have to check the fees. It, it was pretty reasonable. It was a small percent, and like uh, ten dollars. I think I'll check that for you. Because I always felt like the fees were like every time I clicked buy, the price was always higher. Like every time <laughs> on Coinbase, plus their fees. But that was a you know a while ago. Yeah, I've just been using Cash App to buy, and it's almost too easy. I get a, I get a little like a little inkling or something, and I can just like within. A couple of clicks buy a lot of Bitcoin. It's kind of dangerous. It's like I'm buying this dip, buying it right now. The only thing Cash App doesn't have is a deposit, right? Yeah, they don't have a deposit. You can withdraw. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So you can get your Bitcoin off there. Yes. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't right use away. it if I couldn't withdraw. Yeah. And Actually, how do you get money in the Cash App? It connects up to your uh, checking account, and they only do um, they they only do debit. They uh, they won't let you connect a credit card. Yep. Actually, here's a question for the group. I have to. Well, I don't have to, but I kind of need to upgrade my phone, and so I'm kind of like hesitant to uh, do it. So I don't know if you all have any experience on, you know, like transferring your authentication keys and this kind of stuff. I, I just don't want to like screw it up when I get a new phone. So I don't know if you all can offer any experience on that. That'd be, I'd be interested in that. You talking about your two FAs for the exchanges? Correct. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Did you, and I know it's a terrible practice to take screenshots of the two FAs, but did you write them down the, uh, the manual codes for your two FAs? Yes, I have them like secured. Okay. So technically when you get your new phone, cause I've had to, unfortunately, one of my phones went flying down the stairs. So I had to swap my phones and I had to change out. I think it was like six different. This is when I was buying a lot of shit coins and um before 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 uh i spent a lot of time with btc so i had like all these different two fas so i wrote them all down and i had to put them all in manually in my new phone (laughs) okay so just kind of prepare for a big pain in the ass you can do it without those two you can uh so there's a link in the chat um if you have both devices with you at the same time uh, to do the transfer, you can you can do it without the codes. You can do it with QR scanning QR codes from from the app where you have your two FA set up to the new app. Okay, okay. So it should be easy as long as I have devices. I can just transfer yep. it. Vice. Okay, that's probably what I'm going to do. So, does anybody use uh, the YubiKey? Yes. No, but I really highly really recommend won't. it. All right, yeah, tell us about it, Mister Pause. Oh, it's just a a physical two-factor token. So um, I mostly use it for my password manager. Um, You plug it into your computer, you type in your password, and then you touch the YubiKey to unlock my password manager. Um, Yeah, it's two-factor. It's not digital. So if somehow somebody got a hold of your password, and your phone, you know, maybe they compromised just your phone or something, and that had all the data they needed. If um, you were using a YubiKey too, they would still somehow need to get the physical authentication token to compromise you. So when you touch it, is it like a fingerprint scanner, or does it just react to a physical touch? Just a physical touch. So yeah. that is a, a little weakness, maybe, um, that anyone can touch it. Mm-hmm. However, they also have these um, two-factor tokens that they have multiple buttons on the um, the little USB token, and you can encode a little pin into it. Okay. Yeah, I need to get set up. Ansel, you use this as well? No, I don't use the YubiKey, but I've been wanting to try it out. Um, yeah. I use the Google Authenticator as well. Yeah, that's what I use right now. 
I use both, but um, a YubiKey is, I, I just feel like it's, uh, it's, it's next level. It's like best practices. Right. Yeah, and, and you then, if you lose your phone, right, then you don't have to worry as much about that. So Correct. They are like 40 bucks a pop and, you know, you want to be redundant on top of being redundant. So you're going to want to get at least three or four of them. So it is a little bit of a investment, but in my opinion, totally worth it. What worries me about some of these is what do you think the lifespan is on them? Like, this is my concern with like open dimes. I, I, I love the idea and everything, but I would feel more comfortable if I knew they would last 10 years. Oh, yeah. These YubiKeys are supposed to be super durable, super. Uh, they're like industrial strength. You know, of course, it's all marketing by them. So I, I don't I can't really attest. I haven't owned one for 10 years, but they're supposed to be super durable, super long lasting, like un, undestructible pretty much. Yeah, the the USB stuff, they have like different testing and um, failure rates. And I think like regular, like I have a little USB flash drive, right? And that thing, it's, it's rated up to a certain degree. I think, I don't know, 1% of failures every five years or something like that. So these YubiKeys are probably way even higher than that. You might one failure in 50 years worth of usage or something like that. And, and you can back these things up too. You you make offline backups just like for your wallet or whatever. Cool. Are, well, are we done with that topic? Anybody have uh, anything else? I'll just, uh, I'll come back to the uh, Kraken thing. It was 0.25% was the fee for that. You were wondering about that. Uh, huh. And also, you were talking about ways of buying Bitcoin. I noticed I got an email from uh, Trezor that uh, moving from their beta to the main wallet in this latest update is a new tab where they give you um, 10 different options to buy cryptocurrencies right through your Trezor using your debit or credit card. It doesn't say what parts of the world specifically this would be available to, but 10 available services. So... I mean, that's pretty interesting uh, development to be moving into actually buying right through your hardware device. I think yeah. Ledger already had that enabled. That sounds interesting. I expect there to be a pretty hefty fee on that. I haven't tried it, but I doubt it's the cheapest option. Yeah, I, I would agree. It probably isn't, but it's... It's still interesting. It's not going to be cheap, but if you think about it, in terms of the uh, the user experience, you're now able to bring somebody in. So before they had to go through a couple of other you know mechanisms, but now technically maybe they just have to get a Trezor, you know, and they can get Bitcoin right there. Well, where are they sourcing it from? Uh, it better not be Coinbase. <laughs> <laughs> Right. It's probably more more likely something like Shapeshift, I would imagine, but I have no idea. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> I had a little back and forth with uh, what's his name, Eric Voorhees. Yeah, I saw that. Or something. I don't know. I just I don't like that he has profited off of externalities. 
you know, he puts his cost onto the network and that's how he's made his money. And I, I don't like that. Are you referring to Satoshi Dice or has there been something more recent that you're unhappy about? Well, yeah, Satoshi Dice, that that was the first one. And then even the shapeshift, like altcoins are kind of like externalities in a way, I guess. And he's been pumping, like he is the one that came up with, as far as I know, uh, he came up with the dominance index and has been pumping these altcoins from day one. So I I don't think that's not necessarily like Brady and I have talked, we talked about this on his podcast. Um, it couldn't really be any different. Like altcoins are going to happen, but at the same time, uh, these scammers can be held personally accountable for lying to the public or, you know, committing fraud saying that these altcoins are just as good as Bitcoin or that they will one day beat Bitcoin or something like that. So, um, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't like his style, Eric Voorhees. I'm not really much of a, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm really a critic, but I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I know he's done a lot from what I've understood. He did a lot for the space, uh, in the beginning, um, and then swapped over to the dark side. That's the only part that I understood. But other than that, I, oh, I don't really see much. Yeah. And, and he was one of the six core signers of the, the Segwit 2X, right? So. Yeah, yeah that's a big black mark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the guy, but I really can't blame him or somebody like CZ for doing what they did, setting up a big successful exchanges. And oh. in a way I, I just think it's you know, it's part of the process, you know, it's just a phase. Um have to go through all coin mania and then it's all going to Circle back to Bitcoin. So, do you guys think we have a uh, one or two more altcoin manias uh, ahead of us? Oh yeah, yeah, I do too. Definitely Unfortunate. do. Unfortunately, what do you think the likelihood is that um, a, a good chunk of that altcoin mania gets shifted to being uh, Litecoin app, or sorry, uh, Lightning Network app mania instead, where we can move that DAP phase to Lightning mm-hmm. Network using Bitcoin instead of its own token. Yeah, I think that'll definitely happen too. I think there'll be a bubble in Lightning companies at some point during one during one of these bull runs. And uh, I mean, you know, basically, I mean, it'll it'll be sort of like the internet bubble, the dot com bubble, and just be like, oh, you're you're using Lightning? All right, I'm in. <laughs> Take all my money. Um. Yeah, I think that'll definitely happen too. And and a lot of projects that, you know, should don't deserve money, uh will will get money. And you know, that'll that shakeout will happen too. But the Lightning Network is just going to ha- provide so much value and so many use cases that um it'll be pretty easy to shill your Lightning-based business and uh, have it sound reasonable, I think. So also think a fundamental difference is going to be with the lightning businesses they're not going to be trying to shill a token so 
You know, like I, I think that that is going to provide a different layer of legitimacy, and yep. they're they're going to be like the first. If you think about it, they're going to be the first crypto companies that are going to be able to show earnings based on these transactions that they're going to provide. Right. Where it'll be a lot more yeah. like the dot com bubble, and yes, I mean the, the alt the altcoin the altcoin bubble and the ICO mania is was like the protocol wars. If if the protocol wars had been monetized in the, like the eighties. 70s and 80s oh yeah the to totally agreed yeah but analogy you bet on the outcome yeah i got my money on a, a game or so, something of that nature to drive more of the interest than than businesses i think for lightning yeah i can see that i suspect if somebody can tie Bitcoin into Xbox or something like that mm -hmm. and uh, enable kids to wager on their Call of Duty matches and stuff, that would just be huge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that or uh, something to do with streaming where you can influence, you know, how um, streamers that are playing games will they'll have like you can vote on do this or do that um lightning and i think you can do uh yeah you can have audience interaction with the the streamer um a lot easier i kind of think about that like Pornhub, like verge thing or whatever like like who knows maybe like Pornhub will embrace like lightning transactions or something that that might actually be like a legit thing where that like verge thing with whatever was uh that was kind of like a crash and burn thing but i could see them supporting something like that and that might be an entry for people you know choose your own adventure porno Oh my god! <laughs> or what about uh, if you know what I mean? If they're incentivizing you, like you were talking about playing video games, if you have the multiplayer games, and people bet on on who gets to you know different incentives first, they could do oh, that. Yeah, with uh, payments. That reminded me. The John Seth had a episode where they were talking about this, where like a Fortnite, where you have a hundred you know players. And people could could bet on it, kind of. And uh, I was thinking it's it's like a paramutual horse race, where you could employ the same software, um, and the same uh, payout structure with odds based on you know the money coming in determines you know the ultimate odds. Does that make sense? So like, if only one guy bought one ticket for like the hundredth guy. And he wins first. He would win all of that that money. That's allotted to to the first. But anyway, um, I, I think that's the thing. Uh, betting on uh, these games. Oh yeah, definitely betting. Yeah, like I think Jeff, you and I talked about this before, where you could bet on each play in say football, and I mean that would make the game much more exciting. I think. Yeah, well. Well, they currently offer that, and you know they they have a centralized website that's powered by a database that that handles all of this. Um, so I don't know if 
so much on that. I guess you would be decentralizing the bookie would be what you're doing. And it, it just works better with video games. Um, but of course, I guess a site could spin up catering towards these people. Doesn't have to be decentralized. I think there's money in any vice. <laughs> you know, this is mm-hmm. one, catering to any human vice will, will generate money, and you know, crypto economics is not <laughs> immune to it. So, I th- I think the value proposition here is that the gamer and stuff doesn't have to go through Twitch or YouTube and give a cut to them and they can kind of um, make their own rules, make their own invoices that, they're, that they'll accept and put, put out there. So they're going to have more freedom. And I think once the technology, and maybe it takes three years to become that user-friendly, but I've already seen, uh, Brady, you were talking about your, um, the WooCommerce plugin already with Lightning. So yeah. I mean we're 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 pretty close I'd I'd say. Yeah, is that yeah. it was is that a public good. plugin or is yeah. that just something you developed? Oh no, WooCommerce is huge. It's it's a WordPress plugin, uh, e-commerce plugin. It's giant. It's like okay. it's been around for a long time. It's got I mean it's actually I think it's actually I know it's actually owned or and operated by Automatic, which is the company that invented and, and supports WordPress. Um, right. Yeah, and so there's an open opennode.co uh, is a pretty sweet service. Uh, they're they're like the stripe of the Lightning Network. It's uh, I mean, I was I was super impressed with the user experience. So it is, you know, it's a it's a um, it's a third trusted third party. So there's that. It's not I'm not I'm not getting it's not it's not BTC Pay server. So I'm not getting payments from my e-commerce site to my node um i'm using i'm getting it to open node and then i could i can withdraw them to my node or to my bitcoin like on-chain okay. wallet um, what btc pay does have woocommerce integration it does it does uh-huh. and i i want to try that out next but i definitely i want to i just you know i put up four little sticker designs just to um to try this out and i actually have five orders which is pretty cool um so yeah, yeah, but post I want to the link to your site. I'll buy one right now. <laughs> cool. It's uh, citizenbitcoin.shop. Um, yeah, and it, it's it was. I mean, I wanted to try Open Node out. I was. I'm impressed by the service. I think there's a, definitely a place for it. Um, but you know, I, I want to do things the Bitcoin way too. So, um, uh, you know, I think the next the next step is for me to set up my own BTC pay, pay server and have it connect to my node and all that. Brady, were you the one that put out the uh, the T-shirt with the lightning and the torch on top? Yeah, there's a sticker like that. Um, so yeah, people were using the emoji with like a, a the fire emoji, and then you go down to the next line and put the lightning emoji, and so it looks like a lightning torch. And uh, yeah, so I just made a sticker of that, and and then my wife, uh, she's got like the setup to do t-shirts now, and she's been playing around with it. And so yeah, I've got actually got it on right now. First time I worn it today, so I've got the the lightning emoji torch on my shirt. It's pretty cool. So yeah, I think cool. I'll put that up too. I'm going to get one. Nice. Yeah. I think the shirt that you were talking about is the one that Bitcoin Airlog is doing. And that's with all of the names of the people that have had the torch. Yeah. Oh. 
I ordered one of those. And I think Cornicarus, uh, Phil, you got one, right? Like you got the hoodie I saw on Twitter. That's right. Exactly. I got the, the hoodie and I got a, a t-shirt. Nice. You got to support the cause. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, all the proceeds go to BC, BTC Venezuela. So Exactly. And I have now to that admit, is pretty another... comfortable. Sorry. Nice. That, Mine should uh, be here soon. Sorry to interrupt. The, the Venezuela thing is another aspect for adoption too. Because, um, I mean, it's going gangbusters over there, right? It's the highest like volume on local Bitcoins. And they are having all sorts of different, like um, they had that art thing installation that they did where they were trying to, uh, you know, push Bitcoin and, and raise some money for uh, the people there. And then it's seen the lightning torches going there. There's all sorts of people that are raising money for that. And uh, I think that, I mean, it's just a little thing, right? It's a different niche of people that would be uh, affected by that. and. Uh, it wouldn't be necessarily the Wall Street types, but it might be the the people you know that usually give a lot to charity or something. They'll notice this about Bitcoin, and and maybe they will uh, uh, get involved or something. I was looking at the um, the stats for local Bitcoin um, and what they're doing in Venezuela, and I think it, I saw six point nine million dollars of volume in a week in Venezuela. I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot. Um, but the article I was reading was talking about a, a gentleman in particular who was using it and how he was using it. And he works for the government and he gets paid $6 a month. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the population of Venezuela is 31 million or something. So very similar to Canada. I mean, the average person here makes $6,000 a month. So that, that'd be like Canada's volume being $7 billion a week just in local Bitcoins to be to put it in the same context, like that's a massive amount of local volume happening there relative. Yeah. What was the minimum wage in Venezuela just got increased? I'm Googling that. Um, yeah. So they just increased the minimum wage in Venezuela, the socialist minimum wage to, uh, 300, uh, by 300%, uh, to 18,000 boulevards. So right now, currently that's $6 month <laughs> wow six dollars six dollars seventy cents a month but this article is probably a couple days old so probably down to six dollars a month so hold on so that means that uh what is that a dollar fifty a day or a week yeah okay and then the how many people are down there the population yeah I'd have to... 30, 31, 31 million when I looked. So yeah. like uh, one fifth of their populations basically almost putting their paycheck in Bitcoin. That's or amazing. buying Bitcoin or trading Bitcoin. Uh, and you don't need a lot. At, I mean, that's it's... a lot to me. I mean, that's 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 huge. I mean, it sounds yeah, like one it, it is huge. Yeah. What I mean is, this, you don't need a lot of Bitcoin to be make a big impact for a person down there. You know, satoshis mean a lot more to someone in Venezuela than they do to someone in North America. I was ruminating last week with my buddy how um, it's pretty cool how these people in places like Venezuela are out of sheer economic necessity are forced into things like bitcoin and then 
you know, if they uh, save in it 10 years down the road, it's going to be a, a, a complete turnaround for them. Are the women there doing a, a lot of the cam business, like cam shows? Because, like, is, I th- isn't Bitcoin Airlog, doesn't he do some something with the cam girls? Like, I would think that that would be a great source of revenue for some of the girls there. He doesn't do that anymore. He did. Uh, he left that company. Now he's working with Bit Refill. But, yeah, I, I, I've always thought that, too um easy source of source of income i mean it is a catholic country and they do uh probably uh have issues with their internet but yeah i think that that would be a great source of income for a family yeah they would be able to probably hide it from them too because i imagine they would be on site servicing you know like us or some other country you know they're not going to have the money down there. To, uh, I would think for that. I mean, it's a <laughs> just to bring money, whether it's Bitcoin or whatever, into the country because even they have to buy groceries and you know, like everything else. So it it would just be a way to bring Bitcoin. Well, yeah, if they're getting six dollars a month for minimum wage a girl can get that in one tip she could get six six dollars in in um in bitcoin like i guess i don't know what sites are out there with that but i thought that's what his site was was you know something like that i don't know what's out there but i'm sure you could find they could find a way if they know how much money they can make i think a lot of them do that already i I don't know how like say 50 percent or to throw a percent on it, but I, I bet it's it's a fairly significant amount of those sites will have Bitcoin as an option. Yeah, but I mean, have, having like, um, like I I don't know if they know that that they can do that or that they can't do that, but well, they probably I know, do, I, I, they probably know now. Yeah, or like being on Fiverr doing all sorts of things on Fiverr for for some money. Yeah, I looked at I looked at uh Fiverr for Venezuela people when I, I was trying to do the transcripts for the, the show that only happened like three times because it took like five hours to do it. But um I wanted to find a person in Venezuela that I could pay, you know, five bucks to do a translation because that's that's like a month's income, like like we we're saying. And um, really, I couldn't find anybody. It was really hard to get communication into the country and and all that stuff. I even reached out. We had that one guy at our meetup. Remember that Jeff? That was uh, from Venezuela, and he had just gone back because his visa ran out after college. And I tried to get in touch with him and, and never heard from him. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think communications in and out of Venezuela are pretty difficult. No, it seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. I I was talking to some, somebody who's been actually communicating with some Venezuelans um, using jewel coin, which if you remember, that's a really old coin. Uh, It's XJO is the ticker for that. Um, and but it, it's big thing back in 2013 when it was launched it was was uh, 
putting messages onto the blockchain. So you could use it as a messenger. And they're actually using JewelCoin to communicate uh, through encryption because nobody's checking JewelCoin. Hmm. It's pretty, pretty wow. fascinating. They could use the, the satellite, the Blockstream satellite. It sounds like Venezuela is like primed for like a nice cottage Bitcoin industry. It sounds like if the right kind of people could really build like a new infrastructure there, just completely centered around Bitcoin, crypto, and have like cottage industry. You know, the webcam stuff, obviously, but like you had mentioned, I imagine there's technical people there. I, you know, if I needed to have something coded or something, you know, like, you know, it'd be a way to uh, bring money into the uh, country, you know, have some kind of collective that, I mean, there's collectives in Tampa, you know, that do graphic design and stuff like that. You know, it seems it, I would think it'd be pretty cool to employ some cottage industry down there where, you know, some graphic design student, you know, pay them, a, you know, a little money to design a logo or something like that. It seems like a legit kind of opportunity down there. That's a good point. I was just trying to think of like, because what, what would probably help best would be somebody to go down there and show those guys how to make money online. Um, and in order for that to happen, I think that they need, because uh, I was hearing a, a lot about Colombia being a digital nomad hotspot. Um, Thailand's one of them. Um, and so like... I, and basically what it, what you need is nice weather and a cheap place to live and so once they stabilize if they can ever stabilize if they can draw some people that are willing to you know to live there for cheap uh the the people that would move there are people that have these skills and then they could maybe teach the locals Right. The yeah. problem is, is nobody wants to go there right now, right? Well, no, it's it's pretty dangerous. Um, I was reading this article. I don't know if it's New York Times or something like that, where this guy uh, he lives in Colombia, but he's a contributor to whichever outlet that he was writing in here, and uh, his wife was from. Uh, Venezuela and well he was like an Asian guy so he said I don't look American so he was felt more safe going in but uh, some of the things he was just recounting was you know totally empty stores uh, they get they get rations but the rations could be like a 20 pound bag of cornmeal and that's like a whole family's ration for the month or something crazy like that so um, you know, just scraping by. I'm, I'm, I'm sure people are dying every day of starvation down there. Yeah, I spent um, a year and a half in South America in around 2016 through the middle of 2017, and there were 
all of the young people with any type of uh, marketable skills had already left the country and were um, scattered throughout South America and Central America. So they are experiencing a huge brain drain down there. So unfortunately, probably most of the people who are technical enough to spread awareness and teach people about Bitcoin down there have already left the country. So it's a pretty sad, uh, sad picture. I do think that they probably do have a very, um, I don't know if I'd call it robust, but it's got to be growing rapidly black market using Bitcoin. So we'll see how this develops, but yeah, it's very, very sad. Isn't it technically illegal to use Bitcoin down there or no? I'm not sure the legal status of it. I know there's been government crackdowns and whatnot, um, but I'm sure people are still using it. Most people in South America don't have too high regard for government. so yeah, It's I never saw... stopped a desperate person before. Go ahead, Andrew. Exactly. Yeah, I was just going to say, I saw something that they just had a new tax. Um, so it, I don't know exactly what was 25% or 30% on Bitcoin transactions that you're supposed to, I guess, self-report to the government there. Um, but I, I don't think it's illegal to own Bitcoin. That's, a, that's an interesting point about the brain drain because um, I think what they said, 3 million people have crossed the border into Colombia. Yeah, I, I guess the Amazon rainforest kind of blocks them from going south. And what's to the east of them? Some of those small, the like French Guiana and stuff. Uh, so I don't know if they would go that way. But um, I guess the borders that they can cross it's are kind of limited. Just recently, too. Right? I'm telling you, most of the people with marketable skills, um, they left two mm -hmm. years ago or more. So the people who are leaving now, truly desperate and I don't think that they have much to offer probably to uh, mm. their neighboring so maybe it takes them five years or ten years to want to go back I mean something's definitely got to change with the government for them to want to go back but I don't know anybody from Venezuela but I imagine they think some of our American political discourse is completely insane. It's like <laughs> if they've escaped like the horrors of like socialism and then they like hear about the shit on TV, like I imagine they just think it's completely insane. Man, I couldn't even imagine Americans like promoting like socialism, but then they come from an like that, like the reality of socialism. You know, I don't know. All right. Do we have any other topic? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think um, the Venezuelans are pretty hopeful about um, on something or another. The, Guido uh, or? Yes. Like so I don't know. I, I, it's hard to get a read on the situation. Some people are making it out to be something like a coup. But I've also heard Vene some Venezuelan pe people say they want Maduro out and that this guy is uh, good. So, well, hopefully something breaks to the good for them. Yeah, with every uh, you know socialist government, you have a huge majority of the population that is on the dole. 
and so or connected in some way protected in some way by maduro being there right so they don't want maduro to leave because they've been told they will be crushed uh financially even though they have been already but um like like i think they probably see that he's their best chance um but yeah i I, my my biggest fear is that the u.s gets involved just like in libya or um wherever else you know that they've been and that that's the worst possible outcome yeah i think that that's actually fairly likely too they have gigantic oil reserves still right this is an opportunity you know well it's hard it's hard to know what the role has been thus far right i mean we know for a fact that the cia has done something down there and to what extent is are they stirring the foam are they fomenting it right now uh so it's it's hard to know what the truth is for sure if there is even a question i think i just saw some headlines about um special ops guys being stationed in puerto rico as well lying that they're perhaps ready to go in and start doing some black ops type of stuff down there yeah i thought we i I thought we sent a naval uh, ship off the coast but i could be wrong about that this kind of reminds me of i forget the title of it something like the memoir of a corporate hitman or something where it who's to say this whole destruction is some kind of plan to exploit their petroleum industry you know destroy the country so that corporations can come in and totally exploit their oil reserves i mean i believe that's what the story was about with like corporate hitman thing he would go into a country do all kinds of disruptive things and with the whole idea of setting up exploitation of like resources and all that stuff i don't know confessions of an economic hitman by john is that what it is yeah it was a great book excellent book yeah right who's to say that isn't what this thing is to totally take advantage of their oil reserves I don't know. I don't want to get too conspiratorial, but Not it was conspiratorial. A- <laughs> after reading that, after reading that book, you'll look at every world uh, event like this in in that with those eyes. You might be exactly. more primed. To be, you might be more primed to become a flat earther. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Think about uh, Hillary and Benghazi and running arms through Turkey into Syria. I mean the level of it's it's a whole parallel world and it's corrupt and it's based around the u.s and our geostrategic goals uh that all revolves around oil i just and and obviously the dollar so that we just got to bitcoin is the only hope i think to to kind of dethrone that mm-hmm. yep defund the state yeah, it's it's about more than profit. How about that? Yeah, that's why I'm here. They've proven their incompetence, and we're all suffering. All right. So it's time for a change. All right. Do we have any other topics that you guys want to bring up from the week? 
Ansel, did you want to hit? Pretty slow week. That's uh, the lightning backup stuff. Um, Say again. There's yeah. Well, you posted this I think a couple days ago in the Discord about Pierre Rochard's tweet about um, you know, back like backing up your lightning channel states and that kind of stuff. Um, he's been talking about using like a RAID setup, which is you know like multiple hard drives that are basically copies of each other. So you can have different levels of a raid a raid setup um, for your lightning network, and you know most people are probably not running like th- that kind of hardware for on their for their lightning nodes. Um, but you know some of the like I, I've read a couple of tweet threads about some people's like Casa nodes, the hardware failing, um, and and other you know like non Casa nodes that where hardware fails. And right now, uh, just because you know Lightning is so young, uh, there's n- not a very reliable like backup state, a way to back up your your channel state. And if you're, you know, if you lose that data and your node goes offline for a while, and then you're out of sync with the channels that you've been working with, uh, it's can be really hard, if not impossible, to get your money back. Um, so anyway, just kind of as a heads up to the community. Um, people who are running their lightning nodes. Of course, this is still reckless. It's still really early days. Don't put too much money on the lightning network. Um, you know, like I, I put, I put a bunch on to to receive and pass the lightning torch. Uh, but then, you know, close those channels down. Um, so just just be be vigilant uh, when you if you don't have, you know, backed up like channel DBs and uh, raids set up and all that stuff. The good news is that state channel backup is coming to LND and I think the other implementations soon as well. So that this will be more automated. So if your hardware fails, um, you'll be able to uh, get basically get your funds back by booting back up into a different on a different set of hardware uh, and with a a seed phrase basically. Uh, be is able that part to, of L2? Yeah, so this will, yeah, L two will definitely help a lot, and also Ellen, um, sorry, uh, Bolt one point one, which is the Lightning okay. protocol specification. Um, so there's going to be like I think I mean this pull request is from December, so it's been a, it's been a couple of months or a few months since this pull request was put up. Um, but roast beef is is working. Look, it went up on uh, on. Uh, Christmas Eve last year. Um, Chan backup, add new package implementing static channel backups. Uh, and so the rumor is that what I've heard... I'm not sure what you mean by the RAID thing. Maybe you can explain that. But um, if I just have a Pi node and I take yeah. an image of my SD card, that should be sufficient, correct? Yeah, you should be good. Uh, you'll, you'll need to... If you're node goes down you're going to you're going to want to basically get a node back up with that data as soon as possible like you don't want to get too far out of sync um with the channels that you're working with so the longer you're offline especially if you're offline for more than the channel default channel expiration time which is it varies based on the nodes that you're opening to but I think it defaults to 70 hours or something like that. 
and it can be changed. Like I've seen some as short as 24 hours. I've seen some in like the hundreds of hours. Basically that's like the, the window of time that you have. If you go offline, the other, the other end of your channel that that node will, will wait for you to come back. Uh, and if you don't come back in that time, they can close the channel basically uh, and take the funds from the channel, from both ends of the channel because you're basically AWOL uh, from the network. And that, I mean, that's the contract you're signing when you open a no, open a channel with another node. So, um, and then there's, you know, there's, but there are lots of developments too, like not just backup, like uh, backup procedures in the protocol itself, but also watchtowers, which would resolve that problem. So if you do go offline, then it would basically act on your behalf to cooperate with that node and say, hey, guess what? We're offline. Or th This node that I'm watching for is offline and um, you, we're not going to let you force close at the end of this you know, expiration time. Um, and we'll go ahead and just do a, a cooperative close and I'll take my funds on, that are on my side of the channel and you take your funds and we're good to go. And then when you your node comes back online, the watch will be like, hey, guess what? Um, we closed this node, this no or this channel, this channel, and this channel. Here's your funds. Um, so all of that stuff's being developed and will you know be seamlessly woven into user experiences through nice wallets like Zap and Samurai and all that. To uh, go back to your uh, your question about the raid configuration, um, that that has to do with the uh, the actual drives themselves. So I mean, most Lightning nodes are just SD cards, and really they're just um, consumer grade. Um, they don't have uh, ECC like error checking uh even like first level uh or like now there's like more advanced second level error checking but anyways the raid configuration has to do with having um like uh there's what is it like raid zero one two like i think it goes up to five um and uh, you could actually go and google this but it has to do with either what you do is you um, copy the data across all drives or you mirror one drive to another drive. Um, so there's there's all different types of fault tolerance, but those are like two very basic ones that usually get used. Right. Well, yeah, Pierre had his big post about uh, buying used hardware um, and making your own like significant computer, not just a Raspberry Pi. So yeah, um, I think that's that's good, but at the same time, you know, th there's always a problem with buying used stuff because you don't know if that's secure, and if you're going to be putting your Bitcoin full note on there uh, with any sort of balance in the, in that wallet, I would be suspicious of of that hardware, and so it's best to buy new from the manufacturer, you know, with sealed boxes and, and things like that. So, um, I don't know. I, I get the, I get it. Uh, it's just the, it's things like that, that make you realize just how early it is. And exactly. It's, it's going to take like just you walking through the different ways to manage your channels. And, and then I was thinking, well, when you close a channel, you should, be ready to open a new one right away so that you can combine that transaction. Right. And just do it in one. But how are they going to do that? Is that going to be worked into autopilot? You know, how mi mixing that with the negotiating of closing the channel, um, 
and watchtowers. I mean, it's just so damn complicated yep. that it's going to take, gosh, at least two more years till it's hardcore ready for some some kind of uh, big adoption. Yeah, Great. I agree. I think there's a lot of work to be done, but it still is very promising, and it's working. You know, it works. Um, and the, the number of reports that I've seen, and I've been watching closely for this stuff. Um, and there, you know, granted will be people that don't take the time to, you know, to say publicly that they got, got screwed over, <laughs> but, but there's very few, um, out of, you know, all the people that I know are, are running nodes and, um, so it's, yeah, it, it is still very early in the lightning network days and, I think the I think it's clear though that there's a lot of promise and it'll be very seamless for the end user within two or three years. Here's a question. Can you see uptime on these different nodes? Mm-hmm. Like yes, you okay, can. so yep. and they okay, have so ratings. They have ratings, yeah. There's a reliability rating. Like if you go to one ml dot com, for instance, okay. there are other node directories out there but 1ml i know has a reliability rating and so you know like autopilot could start taking that stuff into account um you could like connect to 1ml's api and see what what is the 1ml reliable reliability rating for this node and uh and then autopilot could decide to open or you know open a channel to that node based on various you know, information that it can, can collect from directories. Or, you know, you could do it manually too. So it that's, sounds like that's going to be where people is, they're going to gauge on your uptime. So that's kind of like where one where one way that the raid comes in. And I think, what is it, raid three or something where you could like hot swap hard drives and stuff. So yeah, if you if you're running a server... And one of your hard drives is failing. Hopefully, you're running like RAID three, so you can hot swap that hard drive and keep your continuous uptime on your like uh, lightning. Yeah, and that's this node. is mostly like, and what Pierre is talking about is mostly for like professional routing nodes. You know, so if you want to be um, one of the main routing nodes on the Lightning Network, yeah, you're going to want to, you know, maximize uptime. And so that means doing stuff like that, you know, RAID 3 and hardware that's not a Raspberry Pi, you know, um, but like server level, professional level uh, hardware. So, yeah, I mean, and like for the average user who just wants to, you know, use Lightning for payments, you don't need all that necessarily. And there are developments coming that will help the end user that doesn't want to be a routing node but just wants to spend their bitcoin on the lightning network to make it you know easy for them to not get screwed <laughs> basically um so yeah that kind of reminds me of that tipping that tipping me or whatever where the guy like i guess there was enough of a demand uh that his stuff was going down because people were yeah. using that tipping me so i don't know if he got that resolved but it sounds like i mean it's promising for him that people were interested enough to kind of stress his uh server or whatever so 
Yeah, that happened after Jack Dorsey set up his tipping account. Okay, and, that's what it was. Yeah, and then he he's he tweeted out that oh this is cool I have this check this out, and yeah burned up the servers. <laughs> it went down for a while, but you know that's that's another like one of those. Yeah, you know, uh, Shinobi was talking about this on Twitter too. He's just like, you know, this is just a centralized service, and we could do with Lightning. What's cool is you could do a tip and not me. That's you know, that's not a centralized service that actually just directs those funds into another person's, like directly into another person's onto another person's node. You know, and that so, brings up that brings up a thought that I was having. This whole tipping thing with the Lightning Network totally kills brave um the brave coins use case yeah it's like you just install a plugin and you've totally killed brave coin or whatever with like lightning network and in, yeah. in once in one thing you've yeah the basic it. attention token bat yeah the bat which is the which is the token that they made for for brave uh brendan ike and yeah you know there's there's a great like couple of days where francis pulio went off on brandon ike brendan ike um like middle of last year and it was just like this is utterly useless you know lightning makes like if you you should have just done this with bitcoin from the beginning um exactly you know, and and knowing like and then he pushed back and he's like well yeah but the transaction fees were so high blah 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 and he's like yeah well we have lightning network coming up so you spent all this time creating this Shit, the shitcoin that is going to be made irrelevant in the next twelve months. Exactly. Um, yeah, and 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 you ruined your reputation. You know, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. When I was messing I around with the lightning stuff, that's that was one of my thoughts was like <laughs> the tipping thing. It's like a couple chrome plugins or whatever and like you've killed it you've killed the whole coin with a plugin on a browser yeah jewel extension as well totally cannibalized yay hilarious imagine like the amount of money they put into that just to be killed by a couple browser plugins it's it's horrible Yep, and and Bat is is available on Coinbase, so you know. There's that. <laughs> BAT was or uh, not BAT, but Brave was Bitcoin originally. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Right. No vision. No patience. Yeah. No, no patience. patience. I mean. Who's gonna moon? Yeah, I, they <laughs> they sold a lot of basic attention tokens to to investors, quote unquote. And uh, yeah, they they made a, they made a bunch of money. So printing money, yeah. So there's that. I maybe maybe he's uh, you know maybe he's not so stupid after all. Just uh, <laughs> that would like be. A, go, I'm sorry. <laughs> that would be an interesting uh, episode. Would be how many use cases are being killed by Lightning Network, like on a daily basis or a weekly basis? Yeah, all of them. Uh, Bitcoin right. is going to to just roll through them, and that uh, you know the old saying that if altcoins do something, they'll just be rolled into Bitcoin. That's exactly going to be the case. So, um, 
if if there's value that's being added by a certain feature, it will be rolled into a, a Lightning Network or on top on like a layer three, some sort of centralized layer three on top of Lightning. So, um, yeah, slowly but surely, everything is going to be gobbled up. Right. Yeah, but Ansel doesn't doesn't like these uh, don't these subsequent layers just completely cannibalize uh, minor mining fees transaction fees on the main chain and then we're like bitcoin just won't be secure at all anymore are you playing devil's advocate right now yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) no it's uh you you add value so um people are talking about like layer two being a value capture layer that yeah the, the value will stay in layer two and and it won't trickle down to the miners and stuff but of course that's not the case um, there's going to be a dynamic level of transactions. Um, the larger ones are going to be on chain because one, it, it's, it, larger transactions actually kind of hurt the lightning network because it makes channels, you know, uh, imbalanced, totally unbalanced. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, two, it's, it's just like the percentage of the fee, if it stays under like say 1%, it's not that big a deal. And you're going to make a $50,000 transaction on chain always. So, um, yeah, I, uh, the layers, all they do is add value to Bitcoin and they're not going to hurt the miners at all. Right. So we'll just get batched and aggregated transactions that pass down from the subsequent layers and end up settling on the main chain. And so, you know, the fee for those big transactions that include tons of economic activity on, on the subsequent layers are, are, are going to be enough to provide the security that is then transferred to the other layers. So the, the miners are providing security for all of the, all the layers of Bitcoin. Um, and, and because that security is necessary for the operation of those subsequent layers, the will, will, it, it will, just work out economically speaking like we'll make it work um we're incentivized to make it work you know and exactly that's what i mean yeah that's that's also like the behind like minor centralization or decentralization and and running a node and and stuff like that uh like people own gold and they hold it in vaults and they pay a fee for that right so people there there is this idea that it costs some money to hold money long term bitcoin is not going to be completely free um, some people can be a free rider for a while but a lot of people will run nodes as like this minimum fee to hold long term um mm-hmm. and so i'm not i'm not concerned at all the this kind of ties into the whole like layered approach and what was that thing about EOS's thing? Like their blockchain was like four terabytes or something after like yeah. a year. Like the Bitcoins is going to be pretty slim. It's going to continue yeah. to be slim as the layers are built because there's not going to have to be so much bloat where some of these other coins, they're just, it's just going to be impractical. And that's the whole point is, you, you know, Develop like the we have decided, and the consensus. I guess the consensus is arrived at 
valuing decentralization the most as the most important, you know, I guess, uh, ethic or, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the most important aspect of Bitcoin. Um, and the reason is if you don't have decentralization, you don't get the confiscation resistance. You don't get censorship resistance. You don't get inflation resistance. Um, and once you, I mean, you get, it's, it's, it's on a spectrum, right? So you get less and less of all of those things, which are the reasons why we all use Bitcoin. It's the re, it's the reason why it's better than fiat, all of those three things as, as it becomes more centralized. And that is what we're fighting against. That's what's happened to gold, which was our best chance, or, you know, at sound money through the, through the ages. And if we don't prioritize that, then we lose we lose all of that, and it just becomes a fiat again. Eventually, um, they'll get control of it, and someone will get control of it. New Every world states order. Or corporations, yeah. <laughs> someone gets control. Of it. Maybe it's it's Craig Wright or it's the United States government or whatever. Um, you know, so or Roger Ver. Um, someone gets control of it, and then you know it's it gets debased, and because they, you know. Um, pull to print your own money is insane you know it's humans can't resist it we've we've learned that very clearly so you've got to have some kind of way to control the cost of running a, a node and that is the block size limit and that's why it's valuable and that's why i've you know suspected for a long time because the way the block size limit was added by satoshi it was pretty late. Like it was, I think it was like, does anybody remember it was like 2010 or 2011 even? Yeah. 2010. Yeah. 2010. Yeah. So it was, and you know, sneaky. Like yeah. you just kind of slipped it in there. It's like a year and a half after, after Bitcoin launched and you just kind of slipped it in there and pushed an update and, you know, didn't ask for permission to do it or whatever. Like you just, he, this was kind of the last time before there was any governance process that sort of developed um, that, could that a change like that could just get slipped in and you know he kind of passed it off and poo-pooed it you know he's like oh well whatever we can just we're it's a spam protection it's for spam protection and and uh, we can always just you know raise it later no no worries i don't i don't know about that i think satoshi gamed out like satoshi was you know that a master of game theory and thinking ahead and i think satoshi gamed out that eventually there would be um minor centralization and the cost to run a full node would would increase because of bandwidth costs and storage costs and all of all of those potential factors um and that you know let's throw a one megabyte limit on there and that will that will help um that will prevent that from happening um i you know and i I just i just don't think that that was sort of absentmindedly thrown in there to prevent spam transactions like that's not the only reason no I think it was with great foresight for sure. Yeah. I I had something about the use cases and, and different layers and things. You know, there's only, as far as I know, there's only one real use case that can pay for the inefficiency that is decentralization. And that is for the money. So all of these use cases that people, t they talk about all coins being used for uh, they can't long term support the cost of decentralization themselves. 
And so they fit. It's okay to have centralized smart contracts. I don't know why people are so, uh, you know, worried about having centralized smart contracts. That's that's good. And really, Ethereum has to have centralized smart contracts because of the Oracle problem. Um, very few of them can be like truly like decentralized execution. But uh, yeah, all of those things belong on layer two or layer three. So that's that's what I'll, I think we'll see in the future. And, and, yeah. and another thing too is, um, so we were talking about different avenues for adoption of Lightning. And then we started talking about how there's so much further to go. And there's like maybe two years more of getting a real solid foundation in, in the Lightning Network. Um, that's, I think that's another reason why we should look to centralized like layer threes or centralized services built on Lightning Network um, have their role right now. And mm-hmm. maybe that will get us in trouble in the future because that kind of got us in trouble with like Coinbase and BitPay a little bit, some centralized services. Um, but we'll just have to re-go through that all over again. Yep. And that's what that's what Shinobi was, you know, talking about. Um with with a tip in me. He's like, no, tip in me is just this, you know, centralized service. It's not taking advantage of, you know, what Lightning Network and Bitcoin is all about. Uh it's a, it's a trusted third party. But I think you're exactly right that that's how in, you know innovation starts because it's the easiest, it's the you know, it's it's lowest hanging fruit. And when you're sort of in these early days, you just, you know, build out something that's easy as a kind of proof of concept. And then the decentralized versions that take advantage of the properties of Bitcoin and Lightning Network that are most valuable will come later, you know. So you got to see what's valuable. You got to see what people want. And, right. you know, it's, it's like an, it's an MVP. It's, you know, it's a, the minimum viable product that you put out. And if people like it, then you build the decentralized version of it. Right. And the the uh, education just takes time. Like right now, I think we people are starting to get really comfortable with like on-chain transactions and Bitcoin wallets and, and things like that, um, but not quite yet with running your own node, worrying mm-hmm. about watchtower, um, worrying about watchtowers and, and making lightning invoices and stuff like that. So, or passing lightning invoices. So I think that, uh, you know, we have another, even, even if the technology were ready today, we still would have two years worth of education to go through. So um, I'm not worried that it's going to happen. I, and I'm not worried that it's going to take 10 years. So it's somewhere between <laughs> now yeah. and 10 years. And so I think like two, two to three years till people start getting really comfortable with lightning. And we'll probably see in that time some really big centralized service come out or maybe several in the same industry. And I don't know what that will be. Maybe it will be gaming uh, like on Xbox or something. Maybe uh, it'll be um, cam girls or Twitch or something like that. But uh, who knows? I I do think that it's two to three years away though. Yeah. So here's kind of like a tipping me use case is, you know, I post like charts and stuff like that. And I just put the tipping me thing in my signature and, you know, if somebody likes my chart, guess what? They can tip me. You know, it's like it was just that simple to do, you know. But uh, 
that's what back to like the education thing. I think, you know, obviously attention brings more interest. And I think we're going to probably go relatively sideways for about like 200 more days. And then we'll get back to like a 6,000 mark. And then once we hit that, there that's going to be like the confirmation of like another run into about 2021 and i think the next top is about 74k so i think after that probably in like 2022 time frame is when you know we'll we'll have gone through another like bull run the market will cool off and then there'll be we'll hit like another threshold where people are interested you know, Bitcoin will get more headlines. And I think that window, you know, obviously development is ongoing for the like, and then I think that that's going to be like the sweet spot is about 2021, 2022 after the next top is really kind of, I know it's hard to time markets, but that's kind of like my basic thesis for the next three to four years is after the next top about 74k is when people are really gonna dive into it so i don't know i'm just throwing in my two cents here yeah and i think that i mean that's i think when lighting network will be maturing to the point where you know like it'll be integrated into cash app for instance by then um it'll be maybe added to twitter Maybe, you know, like it, once Cash App adds it, then, you know, it's not like there's the wallet and for Twitter. And so, you know, if you want to set up lightning tipping on Twitter, you just, you know, go to settings and, you know, log in with your Cash App and uh, account and boom, you've got your lightning balance from Cash App available on Twitter and you can start using it to tip, stuff like that. All that stuff's going to be rolling out. And I mean, honestly, like, when Jack Dorsey took that day that day and exactly. took the, the lightning torch, like that's freaking huge. Like those two companies uh have an insane amount of power to spread uh lightning network adoption. You know, just those two just those two things. Just doing those adding lightning network to the cash up and then to Twitter. And he can do both of those things. And he obviously wants to do both of those things. Let me throw this out there. I wouldn't even be surprised if Twitter's actively looking to buy tipping me currently. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case because like, I don't know. even think they need to, you know, cause like that's pretty, it's pretty simple for, I'm sure there's engineers there that could do it, but I think but it's already like a brand would. recognition. Yeah, like, it's already got people, that. Plus, it's just like, hey, you know, let's let's hire, let's do let's do an aqua hire, you know, whatever. It wouldn't it wouldn't cost them a drop in the bucket for, for them, um, right? And it's just like recognizing, you know, the innovators, and and I think that there's, you know, I think there's a lot of value in that for the brand for the Twitter brand and the Bitcoiners would be like, hey, you know, good job recognizing this guy's work instead of just like, you know, observing it and taking it, you know. <laughs> Right, they can obviously build their own thing, but exactly, right. why not just bring somebody on board that's already 
given their all to it. You, yeah. you know, the enthusiasm's already there, so I could yep. see that. I actually talked to Sergio about it on D through DM a little bit. You know, just like, um, hey, this is cool, and hopefully it ends up in a job at Twitter for you. And he'd be like, yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> you know, right? I think it should happen. All right, guys. Uh, it's we've been chatting for what is it? Close to two hours. Um, nice. Do we have any parting words? I'll just go down the list here. Um, Brady. I don't think I have anything parting words to say. I think I just laid it all out there in the last 20 minutes, kind of re-engaged. Um, thanks for the, for hosting this again, Ansel. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Good night out there. Big coiners. Take care. Thanks for good joining night. us. Coin Icarus. You got any final words for us? Are you still awake? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, you know, everybody have a good night and thank you so much. I, I love doing this with you guys. Be Keep reckless, but sats. be safe. Exactly. Stack and sats, but be reckless. <laughs> yeah. Take some risks. DT, what's up, man? Hey, thanks again, Ansel, for doing this. Uh, uh, fun as always. Same, same. Uh, Jeff, are you with us? Yo, yo. Uh, no, I got nothing other than uh, I really enjoyed Discord, um, the voice chat, and the text chat. So thanks. Uh, Thanks, everybody that's participating. And Randy? Um, I guess I'm just interested in this Zap wallet, and I'm looking to upgrade my phone so I can start doing some more iOS development. And that's kind of like where my focus is and, you know, my personal projects and stuff. So that's where I'm, yeah. my focus is. Good choice on project, Randy. The Zap is good. Jack is great. and. Yeah, I think you're going to have a lot of fun working on it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, one thing we didn't even touch on was the parents, Bitcoin mom and uh, his dad, they got their bank account shut down for their new cannabis store. Oh, um, did they? I didn't hear that. Yep, yep. So they, they're, I'm sure they're doing fine because they're, uh, you know, pretty smart people. They probably have backup plans and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, they, they got shut down by their first bank at least. So, yeah, what's his? Um, they've got Bitcoin, uh, not Shinobi, but the other guy on Block Digest, um, Rick. Rick. Yeah. yeah, Rick mentioned that they did have a uh, bank account, tertiary bank account already lined up, ready to go. So, That's where we're going to cut it for today, guys. Thank you for joining us in this community chat. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Check out the show notes. You got all sorts of links there. If you'd like to support this brand of education for the space, then go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. Become a patron of the show. Make a donation. There's other free ways also to support the show. So I appreciate everybody that does support. And while you're on the website, sign up for the free market analysis report that comes out every Friday that is it's a very unique perspective on the space it's fundamentals on top of technical analysis i'm pretty proud of the project so sign up for that but anyways thanks for joining me see you next time peace